church. Woo! I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, intentional reconciliation this morning. And uh, it's our heart. Joel and I have had conversations about this. And uh, you haven't been the fly on the wall or the mouse in the room listening. But, you know, we've had conversations about what's been happening in the nation. And we just, we long for the church to be the model of reconciliation. We long for the church. And I had an observation. I, mean, I don't know that it's totally true because I'm not sure that all of my observations are totally true. Uh, but I had, <laughs> I had an observation that, that uh, it seems as though we are able to, as a nation, sustain some uh, racial uh, integration and reconciliation and such where money is involved. Sports, music, the arts. It seems like where money's involved, we're able to bridge some of that. So then I was wondering if that is really, is it just centered around revenue? And so we will do whatever it takes for revenue. But, you know, what are we like behind closed doors? And so, you know, our heart is that, and, and, and part of the barometer for that, it seems like that on Sunday mornings in America, the church is still divided. The church is still very sectarian. It is still very race-centered. And, and so our heart is that that would be broken. That, that would be, and our heart is that the ministry here would be a model for that and that we would continue to uh, 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 represent what a, a multi-ethnic nation looks like, a multi-ethnic God looks like. He's created us in His image, every one of us, every race, yes? And uh, so that's our heart. Uh, so we've, we've done some thinking on that, and we... We want to bring some thoughts to you that encourage some of that. I've got some thoughts. She said maybe I could preach next week too. Um, so that was nice of her. Um, I'm teasing. I'm teasing with y'all because actually we already kind of allocated some of the sermon series. See, and so we planned those out, and so we allocated her to start on a new series for a few weeks next week, and so then um, so. So then, so then she graciously said, well, if you want to take two weeks, she could. So that's pretty cool. Isn't that nice? So I might have something. I don't know. I might have something. So, uh, but she had a word uh, to bring as well uh, over something that was um, stirring within all of us when we, when we did some of this planning and prayer, thinking and, and, uh, and such. Isn't it wonderful to have a church where we have others able to minister the Word. Isn't that a joy? So I love it every time Chris shares, every time uh, Joe shares, uh, just so many of you, yeah? Zach in the pulpit a few weeks ago, off the charts. Amen? Well, I mean, it was fairly good. We don't want to get him like a big head or nothing like that. I mean, he, I mean, he did okay. It was, it was pretty good, Zach. It was all right. Thank you for sharing. No, we're just so blessed to have a church of ministers and ministry, and you too. God is developing you as well. And if you critique me as I'm preaching, that means you're a great preacher too. We're going to put you up next. 
I've got microphones in your homes. If you have roast pastor after the sermon, you're on next Sunday. So thinking about races, thinking about, you know, thinking about the races, uh, I was thinking, you know, kind of some funny stories or, you know, some way to kind of wrap our brains around some of what we deal with in kind of an egocentric world because wherever, whatever our etymology is, and I guess I'm what they call Anglo-Saxon, and so I went in and read about what Anglo-Saxon was so I would understand what that was even better. So, you know, I, that was pretty cool to learn that uh, there's these... Uh, German, how would you say that, Germanic? I don't know. Huh? Help me, yeah. So these, uh, you know, these various uh, herds of humans that were under various lords of leaping uh, migrated across the water over to Britain. And that's, that's how, that's obviously how I've got, you know, a mixture. I'm kind of a, a good puppy dog. I've got... Uh, a mixture of races in me, probably. So somewhere I'm supposedly related to royalty. Uh, I mean, if you believe that, not a chance, do you? Okay. Okay, well, it was through adultery, so that's probably why it turned into a mess. But anyway. But anyway, these herds of humans under these lords of leaping uh, came across the water, came over to what was Great Britain, and uh, so there were, you know, a bunch of them that... Uh, that uh, invaded England, and then, you know, the Roman Empire was there. Have you heard of the Wall of Hadrian? So, like, you know, halfway up England uh, in uh, A.D. 122, the Roman emperor, emperor built a wall there. It's cool to go see that picture. It's really cool stuff. So, anyway, that was to keep all of these lords of leaping and all their subjects uh, from leaping over the wall. And so, how are we doing so far? You want Zach to preach, don't you? That's what I figured. Okay. So just, you know, thinking about, you know, our own perspective on life, we, we get kind of egocentric, and so then it's very easy for us to maybe be judgmental, critical, rejective of those that don't fit into our frame of world. Anybody ever dealt with that? Thank you for your honesty. Good. Okay, so... So I was thinking about Thailand a little bit because I can talk about them because they're not here. And if I slander them, they'll never know it. So uh, so just cut this from the recording. I, I'm just kidding, of course. But, but, you know, there's humorous things in Thailand that we deal with over there. Uh, and if you've traveled the world as an American, then you run into humorous things that are in these other cultures, right? Uh, and... And sometimes the culture understands them to the framework of they even make light of them. So one of those things in Thailand would be Thai time. So oftentimes we're running on Thai time when you're over there, you know. And so that means, uh, that means everything will be at least 30 minutes late. Thai time could be at least. And so uh, it just so happens that David and Paula are mixed. So you've got an Anglo-Saxon... Cherokee? Is she Cherokee? You got an Anglo-Saxon Cherokee from Oklahoma married to a uh, Burmese Sean tribe guy living in Thailand. I mean, you got quite a mess there right there, okay? So they understand all of this, so they're able to joke about Thai time, right? So even if you want something to start on time, you better back it up. You better back it up at least 30 minutes because 
You know, because that's, that's Thai time. And then there's kind of the Thai attitude, too. And you'll run into this in other nations of the world. There's attitudes that are attached to that culture. There's Thai time. I'll give you a little bit of an illustration of Thai time that I thought was kind of funny. One of the couples that we ran into over there, uh, the toilet broke. And so, of course, the wife wanted a new toilet. So she put in that request to the husband for a new toilet. And so the new toilet came, but it's been sitting in the bathroom beside the broken toilet for a year. That's tie time. So, now there's probably, you know, in the, in the, uh, uh, you know, somewhere back in the foundational mindset of the reasoning of, you know, of that culture, there's probably a reason for that is we don't want to put objects above human relationships. And I got human things to do, right? I, I, I you know, maybe there's some kind of re- reasoning there. We don't want to be driven by time, and all those Anglo-Saxons are driven by time, and, you know, we don't want that. And, you know, who, who knows? There could be. I'm sure, by the way, that when, when Americans, regardless of, regardless of color, when we show up over there because of our culture and the way our culture has influenced all of us, when we show up over there, it probably torments us. I mean, when torments them. I mean, when we leave, they're glad to see us go. There's like a... Glad that mission trip's over. You know, you call over there. What are you guys up to? We're napping. I think we just drive them nuts for about two weeks, okay? And then, so, so there are differences in the cultures. Now, here, here's, here's the thing, though, is that when we notice differences that are like hardwired in, the pre-programmed differences in us, in culture, in other cultures, we, we have a tendency out of carnality, out of the sinful nature, to make that a point of judgment and, and self-inflation and pride and division. And if we listen to the influence of the demonic realm, then, then a, a, one of his purposes is to take what God did in Genesis 11 for the good and turn it into a point of division for the bad. In Genesis 11, God needed them to fill the earth, and so at that time they were of one mind, one heart, one language, and nothing was impossible to them. So God brought division to fill the earth. He didn't bring division to create an open door to the demonic realm. When He he split the nations out of Genesis 11... And it's in verse 8. I don't know if we've got it and we could go to it. But when he divided the nations, it wasn't meant to be a doorway to the demonic realm. But because we ourselves deal with this fallen nature and the influence of the demonic realm, it did create an open door to the demonic realm in that we tend to listen to negativity concerning one another and and, and, and allow what was division actually to be real division. So let's say, let's say you were part of Genesis 11, verse 8. You were part of that, and so you, uh, you end up going off over here and settling out some property over here, taking a little bit of territory, uh, making a claim, taking a claim over there, right? Well, you probably have a neighbor, 
And the two of you in that case might even be speaking different languages, so you got to figure out how, because a moment ago you were speaking the same language, now you got to figure out how to understand one another. But what God did also in that, in that sending forth, thrusting forth the people, is there's also, there was also like a differentiation of gifting and talent and, and treasure. And so then what happened is, you know, in that instance, we could either, so, so maybe a whole tribe over here, they, they excelled as blacksmiths. And another, and another tribe over here, they excelled as herdsmen. Well, well, the two of you had something that you could share and exchange with one another. But if we're, if we're at war with one another, so a tribal mentality developed and I'm going to submit to you that tribal mentality of war and of dominion and of hurt and abuse was not of God. That was not God's original intent. God did not divide and thrust the people out to be at war with one another and to have dominion over one another. They were to have dominion over the earth and every creep that creepeth, not over one another. It's a lovely sermon, and they probably liked it, and they were trying to express themselves. That, That's the best I've ever heard! I don't know. I'm... Are you with me today, though? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Is that we have to guard our hearts, we have to guard our hearts, us as well, in this day, that we don't allow a, an influence that is actually demonic, an influence to divide, an influence to compete instead of complement, an influence that looks for junk instead of treasure, an influence that tears down instead of esteems. We have to watch out that we don't let that exist because that is not God's intention. And when He purchased the nations, redeemed the Gentiles, when He chose the Gentiles to come to Him, that's every nation that was not Jewish, when He did that and He purchased every nation... There wasn't a nation left out. There wasn't a people group left out. There wasn't a tribe left out. There wasn't a color left out. There wasn't a language left out. And the new nation that is the nation that will triumph, that will prosper, that will be the head and the tail, the head and not the tail, as we just read out of Deuteronomy 28, is the nation of the church. So we have to guard our hearts, constantly guard our hearts, constantly be careful with our hearts. The Jewish people have been the target of animosity for thousands of years. I was thinking on this. I was thinking, you know, um, who do you show animosity toward? I, I don't know. Um, maybe as we talk through this today, you'll just be kind of allowing the Holy Spirit to work on your heart. I was thinking about the Jewish people. The Jewish people have been the target of animosity for thousands of years, not just since the time of Christ, but before even the time of Christ. And anti-Semitism is still a huge deal in America, like 954 cases last year, many of them violent cases. You know, we always think that it's us that's getting picked on, Wherever we stand, wherever we are, we might find that for some odd reason we're, we're maybe getting picked on, but uh, there's others getting picked on. 
So, uh, you know, I was just thinking on that a little bit today, that, that it's always good for us to identify with those, identify out of compassion, out of empathy with those who have been harmed or those who are now being harmed so that we can take on a reconciling heart. I guess in America, uh, anti-Semitism peaked uh, in the 2000s. And one thing that was interesting, I was reading about this, is that uh, the, the article I was reading about anti-Semitism, and I think it really goes for every single uh, racial problem, slur, uh, difficulty, uh, 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 working of carnality, flesh, and separation, is that actually they've seen a, a growth of anti-Semitism through the Internet, through Facebook, uh, and through the anonymity that, Internet, uh, that the Internet brings. Can anybody identify with what I'm talking about as it pertains to things you've seen? Yeah? It says here they witnessed an explosion of hate online, especially on social media platform in 2000, uh, 20, 2015. Online hate is particularly disturbing because of the ambiguity of social media and the deep penetration social media has into our daily lives, plus the anonymity offered by certain platforms which facilitates this phenomena. This issue has grown exponentially in recent years because the Internet provides racists and bigots with an outlet to reach a potential audience of millions. Now, I don't know if you've noticed it, but I've noticed it with other, with other things as well. And, uh, and, and I know that some of you have noticed this because... You've shared your heart with me on it on, and how it's even affected you. So, interesting stuff, but I think that, I think that it, it should be speaking to our heart uh, on, on how careful, uh, how, how God-centered, God-focused uh, we want to be. Amen? I think if we're divided in our minds, and I want to speak to your heart or your mind, um, I know at the deepest at the deepest place of what I want us to process this morning is not what we project, not what people see on the outside, but what is happening on the inside of us when nobody is around or nobody's looking, or when it's just the tight knit cluster of our own egocentric family or husband or wife or, or group. What's going on there? What's going on? I want us to be intentional reconcilers. I really believe God wants us to be that way. To wor- the, the word reconcile means to bring two together again. It means to restore friendly relationships between two. It means to settle one's differences and to make peace. It means to make up. 
It means, uh, it mean, and a synonym is to, to bury the hatchet, declare a truce. It means to cause to coexist in harmony or to make or show to be compatible. Uh, I, know, I know for me, and I, I have to talk out of my frame of reference especially because um, I'm the guy talking. Uh, and so, so for me, you know, Anglo-Saxon people have been a conquering people. Uh, they've been a conquering people and certainly not a perfect people. Uh, a history of wars and atrocities and, and conquering that brought toil on humanity worldwide. And we still today live in the wake of that conquering, but yet we're in a new day and a new time. So how do I, as an Anglo-Saxon, how do I live? How do I see life? The heart of God has been to bring the gospel to every nation, every land, every people, to bring good news, to bring deliverance, to bring grace and freedom, to not bring hurt and abuse. But yet we live today, I live as an Anglo-Saxon, I live in the wake of hurt and abuse by my forefathers. But now the Lord is moving powerfully to elevate every nation into blessing through the Son. He cares about every single Gentile nation which he has purchased. So I'm thinking, how do I, how do I live intentionally as an Anglo-Saxon? So you're going to hear this out of my heart, but I'm also going to speak to you out of every single group. In our church, we are so privileged. So Joel and I are absolutely humbled that, that we have in our congregation People from so many nations. We are absolutely humbled that you that you trust people that have come out of really a, an abusive past. That you trust us. Uh, so Joel is half German, maybe half Sweden, maybe half Swedish, maybe three four Swedish, something like that. Yeah, I've got. A little Swedish with me as well. Don't know how that happened. A little Irish. So I had red in my beard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now I have a lot of white in my beard. Uh, but we're so humbled that you trust us and that you are gathered here. And to us, that says that you also have a heart to build a multinational and a, a church that looks like God's heart. So I want to talk to you a little bit about... Um, from, from especially an Anglo-Saxon perspective, I want to address some thoughts on what would I say to the, historical domi- the historically dominant Anglo-Saxons, be it Romanesque, be it Grecian, be it German, be it Swedish, Anglo-Saxons have had a long period of conquering and dominion in the world. So, what would I say to the historically dominant? What would I say to the historically hurt? What would I say to the historically hurt? Those that haven't had that same cultural experience. So I want to address both cultural experiences with some thoughts. Is that all right? With some thoughts that are keys to intentional reconciliation. First of all, to the historical dominant. Walk tenderly. The damaged or the hurt 
still have a bruise. They still have a soft spot. Now, if you're coming out of, if you're coming out of, uh, if you're coming out of the culture experience that I am coming out of, you might not recognize that. You, you haven't been there. You, you haven't felt it. You haven't known it. That's why we need conversations. When I have conversations with those that are coming out of a history or a historical framework of harm or hurt or abuse, then I can hear that bruise. I can, I can acknowledge that there's a bruise there. And where, where there is a bruise... Uh, and we can say, well, they just need to get over it. We can say what are all sorts of stupid things, but there's still a bruise there. So your framework of arrogance doesn't remove their bruise. Are you with me? And, and so I say walk tenderly. Now, like walk tenderly, like, like even with your Facebook, even with expressions, even with conversations, walk tenderly. There's a bruise. You know what it feels like if you are bruised and maybe it's nearly healed. Maybe it's absolutely nearly healed. Maybe it's been three weeks since you, you fell and banged your leg on that trailer hitch. You ever done that? Walk by the back of a truck and hit your leg on a, hit your shin on somebody's trailer hitch? Ow! Oh, bless the Lord. Maybe it's been three weeks and you're thinking, you know, I'm nearly over this thing. And then somebody comes along and whacks you with a baseball bat right there on that spot. Well, if you never if you never had the bruise, it probably wouldn't bug you much. Even a small whack, a small somebody trips you playing soccer. If you didn't have the bruise, it probably wouldn't be a big deal. You'd just get up and br- but if you've got that bruise, ooh, ooh, that hurt. Something hurts more if it strikes a bruised area. Something that wouldn't hurt at all hurts a bit if it strikes a bruised area. So, so if we want to be reconcilers, that is, we want to be intentional, we want to be building this multinational heart of God that, that reaches and speaks to our nation and, and our community, then, then this, it, it behooves us to walk tender. Philippians 2, 1, Therefore, if there's any encouragement in Christ... If there's any consolation of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, any at all, if there's any affection or compassion, then you will make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, unless you're of a different race, then disregard everything I'm saying. No, when Paul wrote this, he's writing this. He's writing this to a people who, 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 regardless of who read it, the Holy Spirit is inspiring this, that regardless of who reads it, that, that, that He's calling us to be united. He's calling us to be affectionate and compassionate and consoling in love. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. He's calling conceit empty. It's empty. Your conceit is empty. It's stupid. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this 
attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was cool, he was exalted, he was amazing. He didn't regard equality with God to be a thing to be grasped, held on to, fought for, emphasized, magnified. This is the Friedoin translation. But he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, dying to himself. For this reason, God exalted him. 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 Perfect love dismisses fear. Perfect love, perfect love, perfect love. Walk tenderly. To the historically harmed, I would say, forgive us for the harm of our fathers. And please don't see us in that light. Please give us a chance to show you that we really love you and care about you. Please don't judge us because of our father's sins against your historical lineage. If we harm you or hurt you or sin against you, please don't write us off, but rather rebuke us gently. What? Rebuke us gently. I would rather be rebuked in love and retain a relationship and build friendship and build something that God now is taking as he unites. He's reversing Genesis 11. He's uniting the nations under Christ. He's bringing them into one race, one new nation. And we're, we're saying the same thing, hearing the same heart. We're, we're, we're getting the same mind, and nothing will be impossible to us. we got to fight for that. Luke 17.3, be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. What? Yeah, that's the Bible. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times and says, I repent, then forgive him. Let's think of it as a marriage relationship. I don't want mine to fail. We got married for life. You know what that meant? That meant when we hurt one another, we talk about it. We address it. It doesn't mean that I lord over her to such a degree that she cannot express injury to me. And it doesn't mean that I'm infallible. I'm humble enough to receive, to acknowledge when I've sinned. We have to walk that way as a people with one another. Yes? Number two, to the historically dominant, realize not everyone in your group or your tribe is kind. Not everyone is honoring. There are racists. There is racism. It does still exist. Don't deny it. Stop acting like it doesn't exist. Well, you're shouting me down on this sermon. To the historically bruised, don't lump us all together. 
Please, somehow, take us one by one. Just because there's racists that are Anglo-Saxon doesn't mean that all Anglo-Saxons are racists. Are you hearing me? Number three, to the historically dominant. In order to reconcile, the dominant always have a larger responsibility to initiate, to invite, to welcome the less dominant, to participate as partners. Put honor on people on purpose. Put honor on people on purpose. Now, this could apply beyond race. This could apply in family relationships, household relationships. This could apply at work. This could apply everywhere you go. If you have a position of authority, this could apply there. Put honor on people on purpose. Put dignity on people. If you and I, if we don't do this intentionally, then we are not sending a reconciliation message. Don't think in your heart, they should be just fine. What's wrong with them? I shouldn't need to go out of my way. They need to get over it. Don't they know I love them? Try that one with your wife. I told her 33 years ago that was good enough. No, we invite people into our world. We are constantly living in a way that is honor-giving. Yes? To the historically bruised. Don't push us off and act cool and coy. Don't act like we're weirdos when we try to live in a reconciliatory way. It's hard sometimes to repair the sins of our fathers. Please receive our efforts as valid and from our heart. Help us understand. Give us wisdom. Talk with us. We really want you in our lives. I'm so completed by all of you. I'm so completed by the races and so completed. I I just, I can't tell you how this is such a predominant part of my heart in in that you, out of every race, complete me. You complete me. You bless me. You add to my life. I'm not complete without you. And I just pray that that's the heart of every one of us toward one another. Number five, to the historically dominant. Share your goods and work hard with those who have been bruised. Give others a chance and give them a hand. Bless not because they are helpless or weird or less than you. Bless them because you have something in your hand to give them. Pray for others to experience the goodness of God. Do not withhold. Do not give lip service only and keep your heart bound up in judgment. Stop that. That's not of God. Isn't that good? Hebrews thirteen sixteen. Do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. 1 Timothy 6.18, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. 
instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and to be ready to share, and therefore storing up for themselves a treasure of a good foundation for the future that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. At every level, at every level, with whatever God's given you, make sure you're sharing out of that. Make sure you're sharing to lift, to strengthen, to build up, to help up, to help somebody come higher in their own lives. Amen? That's the heart of God. To the historically harmed, please don't walk in jealousy, envy, or bitterness. None of those attributes will bring the miracle-working prosperity and promotion of God upon your life. Restoration comes from God. Dive in and work your heart. Work your faith. Believe God to lift you up. Equality cannot be satisfied or met or realized through theft or through gift. The have-nots cannot gain lasting prosperity by gaining from the haves. Only faith and righteousness bring lasting promotion. If any group of people feels they have been put down, harmed, or stolen from, or abused, bitterness is never the answer. And by the way, we've all experienced that kind of theft. Prayer is the answer. Faith is the answer. God is the answer. Jesus is the great equalizer. Jesus wants the Garden of Eden for every single person. Now, there's a political mindset and a thrust of our present time seeking to bring equality to the earth and to the nations without God, without Jesus, without Jesus as the center, as if, he, as if equality could come through government. Apologizing for those that have wealth or have stuff or have blessings, thinking somehow, as we divorce it from God, that we did this ourselves and we did it unfairly. But it's not true. God is the one who blesses. So we send billions to Egypt or we send billions to to nations all across the world. And simply the lords of leaping who are deceitful themselves take the billions and it's fraudulently used and misused and it doesn't make it to the people anyway. Did you know that's true? It's godliness that promotes a people. Godliness promotes every nation. And on a micro scale, it's godliness that will promote us. God, God, God is the one who lifts us up. He's the glory and the lifter of our head. He's the one creating a new nation. He's the one that makes us the head and not the tail. People of God, what's cool about this congregation is that out of every nation, you are being built up. You are becoming a sign and a wonder. You from Uganda, you from India, you from every nation. You, God is making you to be a diadem of beauty, and he's building you up that he may cause you to shine. Not so that... It, It's not so that our egocentric nation can somehow receive glory. It's so that God, the builder, can receive glory. It's so that others will see and they too will turn to him who is supreme and the glory and the lifter of our head. 
Amen. Praise team, I need you to come. At the risk of being highly redundant this morning, the guys, the guys with their Thanksgiving messages had us put some things up on the board, and I thought that was fun, cool. So at the risk of being criticized and highly redundant, I want us to do the same this morning. As we close and worship this morning, I want us to allow the Holy Spirit to just talk to our hearts. How can we be more intentional? How can we live as reconcilers? How can we be as big as Jesus? 1 John 4.17 says, As He is in this world, so are we. The context is love. Verse 18 says that perfect love dismisses fear. This is what we do everywhere we go. Everywhere we go, we've got a big smile on our face, and everybody we run into, it doesn't matter what the race is. It doesn't matter what the history is. It doesn't matter what the background is. They might have the testimony of fear within them. Will I be received by this person? Will I be received by this family? Am I welcomed here? Wow, I feel a little out of place here. Whatever the testimony that they start hearing in their imagination, it's your love. It's the love of Jesus through you. It's the redemptive love of Father calling us back to Genesis 11 calling us back to have one heart, one mind, one voice, one language, unified in Jesus, and to them, nothing will be impossible. And when they see that love, they hear it come out of you. They see the smile on your face. They see you rejoicing over them. They see intentional honor. This is what we do. This is who we are. This is our DNA, church. Come on, stand with me. Oh, when people experience this. Then Father's heart will be coming through. Father's heart will be coming through. And this is Father's heart. He's gathering a bride for His Son. And see, Jesus, the groom, is in love with every nation, every tribe, every kindred, every tongue, every people. Every one of them are being called to be a part of this bride. And the perfect love through us is Father's expression to win that bride, to win that bride, to win that bride, to break down the division, to break down the inferiority, to break down the rejection, to break down what they've heard, what they've thought, what they're thinking right now. Father uses us. So I do want us to pray as we close this morning. We're going to open the Food Resource Center. I'm going to dismiss the staff to go there now, the Connection Center. I'm going to dismiss the Connect team to go there now. I'm going to open the front. If you have another need, believing for in God.
But I do want you to just allow the Holy Spirit to touch your heart. What could you do? What could you do? If there's just something the Holy Spirit puts on your heart that would be an expression of intentional reconciliation, Zach, do we have the pads and the pens? I just want you to come up and just write something down. Father's talking to your heart about something you could do. Something you could do. Just come and write it down. Put it up on the board. We'll just seal it that way as a testimony before God. Come on, let's pray together. Heads bowed, eyes closed for a moment. Holy Spirit, we just rejoice in what you've done in this place. We're so humbled, so humbled. Joel and I are so humbled. You've taken these two kids, given us a family out of every nation. We just ask you to continue. We ask you to do it more. We ask you to fashion all of us with a heart of reconciliation. Fashion all of us as lovers of people, of seekers of treasure. We say yes. We say yes to the nations in this place. We say yes to honoring the nations, building the nations, giving every ethnic, tribe, tongue, kindred, and people an honorary place at the table of the Lord. We say prosper the nations. Deliver us of fear. In Jesus' name, everybody said, God bless you, church.